Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello and welcome back to Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker. This is episode 119. As you can hear, the voice is slowly coming back. Definitely better than it was the last couple of weeks. We, uh, I apologize for sounding like a frog. There's not much I could do about it. Um, whatever got a hold of me, got a hold of me good. <laughs> and uh, just took me a couple of weeks there to um, to kind of shake it. So we're we're getting better here. And uh, glad to be back in the comfy chair for another show um, we have got a busy one. We're going to obviously recap uh, and talk about the race that just happened at Oswego, the first Top Wing Challenge Series race, otherwise known as the Auto Silly Skunking. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, and we're also going to have a special guest on this show. Kenyon Zitska is joining us. Um, Kenyon and Ryan Zitska are brothers and, um, they, uh, have purchased a super modified. Those of you who were watching or, uh, were there last week saw Ryan's debut as a racer. Unfortunately, it ended up with a trip into the foam, but he was down into the 16 second bracket after years of not racing. So we actually, uh, reached out and um and and eventually Kenyon reached out to me and so I said hey you want to be on this week's show sure let's do it so um was originally intending to have Ryan but um you will find out why Ryan couldn't do the show this week so there's a there's a little plot twist to the story here so um it's really an amazing story these two so um Excited to have you hear the interview with Kenyon and uh, look forward to that. And of course, what's in the number is coming up as well. And thank God we're back to single numbers now or one number per show. Um, we've caught up now in our, our numbers on the entry list, so to speak, to the number 19. So that's the number we will be discussing on what's in the number and then it's 20 and 21 and so forth till we get to 35. If you missed any of them, you're just going to have to go back and listen to the old shows. Um, so we're excited. And by the way, I should uh, talk about this because I haven't in a little while. Uh, and I know we've got some new listeners here. Um, people will ask me, where can we find the show? Um, there are some social, uh, some uh, podcast platforms they have either gone away or they've been bought. And um, so we're because of that, we're not able to be on those platforms anymore. Um, and not because they told us we couldn't, but because I just, I don't have the, the um, correct uh, kind of credentials or whatever to, to uh, get signed up. Um, Stitcher is one of those that I know we, we had some listeners on, um, that we aren't on anymore. And that's because, like I said, they got bought. And, um, so we, I filled out all the necessary, uh, 
uh, paperwork online, but um, you know they haven't uh, haven't haven't gone forward with it yet. So um, what I what I mean to tell you though is that iHeartRadio, if you get their app, um, all of my shows are on there, um, and we're also on Spotify with the Groove. Um, gosh, we're on a bunch. Um, so if if any of you who are listening. If you sort of have a preference for an, uh, a certain platform that you listen to all the time um, and you're not finding the groove on it, let me know because it may just be I don't know about the platform. There's a million of them now. And um, and in fact, I will let this get out of the bag. One of the things I'm really excited about is we're we're going into some new territory here. We are um, working on putting the arrangements together to uh, be syndicated with this show and with the Tom Baker show, which is our new flagship show. These two shows at first, and then hopefully all of our shows going forward with a company, a syndicator that's going to put us on 185 different podcast platforms in 36 countries. And that's not I'm not exaggerating. I've seen them all, um, seen the list. Um, the so we're we're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of on ramps here coming up, um, and excited about that. And we'll tell you more about it when it comes by. So that's it. I'm going to stop the intro right here in its tracks, so we can get to the uh, the rest of the show here. But uh, thanks for for being back with us again here for another edition of the Groove and. Um, we're going to get things kicked off here right after this break with uh, our recap of Otto Sitterly's complete destruction of the supermodified field last week in Oswego. Welcome back to the show, and it is time to recap last week's racing at the Oswego Speedway. It was the first uh Top wing challenge race of 2023. Isma, MSS, Oswego all coming together in this uh, particular part of the challenge. And joining me to help me recap, thank God, is Camden Proud. It's always fun to have somebody to talk to when I do this uh, part of the show. And uh, um, always miss Camden when he can't be on. So, Camden, glad to have you back. And, um, man, it, I, I, I don't know what to call the super modified portion other than I, I think what I called it earlier was complete annihilation. Um, you know, something along those lines, Otto Sitterly just got up front early and it was, it was unbelievable to watch really. I mean, I, I, I thought for a while he was going to lap all uh, the entire field. Um, what, that was quite the run for the seven car and Otto if he wanted to make a statement that basically says this is still my track, um, he pretty much made it the other night. I guess so. Yeah, that was uh, that was an ass kicking. Uh, I, I thought he was going to lap up to fifth place before yeah. it was over with, and uh, just obviously really fast, well prepared race car got out front in the clean air and just was gone. So that's that's all it takes when you have a guy as good as Otto Sitterly starting on the pole. Yeah, I mean, and and there's really, it, it's like, I mean, there's only so much you can do. 
um, when you're lining these things up or handicapping or do whatever. And you, you're, you're, if you got a pill drawn, he draws the pole. That's, you know, that's just how it goes. Um, but I thought that, um, if you sort of, um, if, if you got beyond the fact that, you know, he was, um, he was halfway to the Pennsylvania state line by the time it was over, um, you know, the racing behind him was, I thought really, really good. Um, and we can, we can start, I guess, talking about the super modifieds overall. It was, I thought the field of cars was, was good, especially considering that, you know, you had some cars, uh, last week that ended up getting, uh, getting crashed or whatever. And, and I, I thought we had, um, a really amazing field of cars for the, for this show, all things being considered. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I think if you put everything in perspective, we had a pretty good solid field. Uh, I would have liked to see a completely full field by the time the feature started, but just misfortune for it's a little more than misfortune for talent. Stevens. It was just terrible to watch, honestly. And, a uh, little concerning. I'm I'm glad he's okay. And, yes. Uh, you wonder how many hits like that that old outside steel can take. That was just vicious. So I uh, was really glad to see him walk away. And then Kyle Hutchinson had motor trouble. So we had 25, ended up starting 23. So all in all, we've had full fields of super modifieds in the pits the first two weeks at the Speedway this year, and you can't really ask for much more. No, um, I mean you'd you'd certainly would would like more. I mean you'd love to see thirty, but you know, um, I just you know I I don't know that that's um, I don't know that that's achievable at this point. So I think twenty four is is kind of the number that you hope to hit, and and we have uh, and you know yeah, Talon that was just absolutely i mean do we i never did did, what happened there was it a throttle or what what happened to him when he because i um i i saw the hit but i didn't see anything that happened before that i was kind of watching another car going down the backstretch and then i saw them slowing way down and then looked over into three and the foam was kind of settling and i saw he was upside down but there was kind of a wide angle replay on flow and the wing strut broke on the car, okay. but it really, it that. really looks like a stuck throttle. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was a throttle or, or what. And, um, I was, uh, I, I was not home. So I was watching it on my phone and I didn't see the, um, I didn't see the, uh, the actual sort of lead up to it. I just saw the hit. So, um, yeah, that, that was just, awful um and what happened to to now kyle hutchinson what car is that 97 car i only spent half the day saturday trying to figure that out so <laughs> I, I might just need to get a hold of him and, and figure that out but it had Vern lefave's 350 weight on it so that was throwing a lot of people off um he's had tq experience he's from out in western new york and oh okay I know purchased this car. I had come across it on Facebook, but I believe it was a, a Midwest car. Oh, all right. So that's interesting. So we've got um, a couple of Western New Yorkers who <clears throat> made their super modified debut this year with, with uh, Kenyon and Ryan Zitska. Now um, Hutchinson, I know that was his background. Um, and of course we had Kenyon on this show. So, um, good to see some of that going on and some of the graduating up from the TQ 
to the Supermodifieds. Um, but uh, it was a good field. I thought 23 cars was, you know, I mean, it was that was, I think, what we about what we had last year for the for the series shows. So we're, we're kind of staying in the same ballpark. But I thought the racing in the feature was pretty good. Um, if, like I said, if you took Otto out of the picture and he pretty much took himself out, uh, out of it by lap five, he was gone. Yeah, he was just gone. Like I said, as soon as that car got in clean air, but yeah, the race to watch was really for me, Mike Lichty and Mike Ordway yeah. watching them pick their way through the field, uh, pace themselves well, kind of slowly, but surely they had some tire left at the end and didn't burn up their stuff too early. So it was fun to watch those two cars right up until the very end make a hard charge for second place for Lichty, and then the 61 was able to get into the top five. So always fun to watch those guys. Yeah, it, it was almost like you were you were praying for a caution with about 10 to go because I, 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 I wanted to at least see if either of those guys could have given Otto a run. But, but you know, that car was just so good. And it was great to see, uh, great to see Otto get a win. And, um, you know, it was, it was just fun to watch those guys fly around that racetrack. I mean, the speeds are just, just incredible. When I saw the 14, six, uh, qualifying lap, I was just blown away. And that's, I wasn't sure. I knew, I knew there was a six that was the track runner. I didn't know if that broke it or not uh, until, uh, I think it was you probably that clarified it on the speedway page, but, um, that's just incredible to watch him go that fast. It is. It blows my mind now that I'm taking some time off from racing, even watching our regular, <clears throat> excuse me, regular tailwing car sitting up in the tower. It's like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe, I can't believe I do this. Yeah. These guys are so fast. It's just, it is unbelievable to watch those wing cars go into the corner. It just, it really never gets old. I'll never forget years ago when Gary Morton was a rookie. And Gary was, um, I don't know if it was, if he, something happened in warmups or whatever, but for whatever reason, he was sitting in front of me in the stands one, one night. And I remember Gary basically saying the exact same thing. He's like, you know, he's like, these guys are nuts. I can't, I, you know, it's like, I can't believe I do this. And, and, you know, then all these years later, having known Gary, as long as I have, it's like, you're, you're one of the nuttiest ones of them all. You know, <laughs> and I say that as a compliment, uh, but um, it, yeah, great, great, um, great race behind uh, Otto. Um, but certainly, again, the speed's just incredible. Um, you had the first seven cars under 15 seconds in qualifying. Um, and one of the things I enjoyed watching was I enjoyed watching Dave Schillick Jr. in the 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 95 car and and dave had had kind of let the cat out of the bag on last week's groove show which didn't come out till friday so a lot of people probably haven't even heard it yet but um but he he teased the fact he was that they had bought the one of tyler thompson's cars the wing car and um he was going to drive it as was and it was like wow okay so this will be fun to see how he does and lo and behold um you know he ends up ninth not you know, necessarily the run that he'd like, but they bought the car for the motor. So it was, it was just fun to see, uh, fun to see him twisting around in a different car, trying to make it work. It was, yeah. Uh, they rented the track early Saturday morning just to get him a few laps in. And it's obviously, it's a car he's never sat in before. And all he's driven the past couple of years have been Chris Osetic built yeah. cars. So 
I was interested to see how he would do. It was about what I expected. I thought maybe they'd get it running a little better. I know Dave was probably a bit disappointed in the result, but nonetheless, uh, Chris Osetic that shows the commitment he has. They were on the ball, went and purchased this car because their motor wasn't ready, more or less, and just didn't have time to switch this motor over to their wing car. So that shows the commitment and dedication they have and, and their will to support this series. So I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And uh, glad to see that. And um, also happy to see Ben Seitz get another strong finish for Vic Miller. Um, that's two weeks in a row for Ben in the top five. Um, and so off to a good start for them in the series as well. Yeah, I'm happy to see Ben running well. And anytime the Vic Miller Eddie Shea team is up at the front, it's always cool to see those guys support just as many races as they possibly can. And, um, you know, now I think they've kind of really zeroed their focus in, so to speak, on this five race series, running the two tailing races with the hot car. And then this, what is it, 25, 30 year old car that it's got to be. Yeah. One, I don't even know. Lord knows how many races in. And, to see it still finishing on the podium and still one of the fastest cars there, no matter who drives it, the car just goes. And uh, it's nice to see Ben have some well-deserved success here two weeks in a row. Now I heard some, heard a rumor or saw a rumor. I can't remember which that maybe we see the Raleigh rocket back out for a couple of races this year. Chris Perley, um, that would be an awful lot of fun to see two of those cars in action for Classic Weekend. I have not heard that, but it's kind of funny. Somebody asked me kind of in passing Saturday, is Pearly really retired? And I, you know, I mean, he's retired like four times, so probably not. <laughs> yeah, like Bentley is retired, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I hope he comes back. That's It's a huge draw for the fans and, and just anytime you put a personality like Chris Purley back in the field. It's, it's great for super modified racing. Yeah. I mean, um, well, and the thing is, is I think the reason that he got out of the seat was more because of his business. At least yes. that's what I understood. Like he, he has a Marina or something, right? Runs a Marina or something. Yeah. Early Marina. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I think that was more. And so, you know, it didn't surprise me when I, I don't know. I can't remember if somebody told it to me or I, I read it somewhere, but um, didn't surprise me because you just think, well, maybe, you know, he's at a point with a business where he could spare a weekend or two. And so would be an awful lot of fun to see him back at Oswego with Ben in, you know, both Vic Miller cars, uh, um, you know, at some point and, and, you know, classic would be a great time for that. Um, Chris, if you're listening, come on, man, we'd love to see you. Uh, okay. So go ahead and run us down the, uh, the feature finish and then we can talk some more and we'll get to the other classes. Yeah. Otto picking up the win and $6,000, a nice payday goes right back in John, the coach's pocket. I went up to him in victory lane and I said, <laughs> I, I knew this is why you did this, John. Wanna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Second tech the after the race. <laughs> <laughs> right and then yeah and everybody was joking once he drew the pole it's like oh well this is fixed yeah yeah <laughs> it sailed right through post-race tech <laughs> yeah. yeah we're just kidding of course yeah exactly but yeah uh mike lichty the 84 finishing second three thousand five hundred dollars to the 84 team finishing third the 11 of ben sites three thousand dollar payday fourth the 15 michael muldoon two thousand five hundred dollar payday nice 
Fifth, the 61, Mike Ordway Jr., a $2,000 payday. Sixth, the 78, Mark Samet, $1,800. Seventh, the 22, Mike McVetta, $1,600. Eighth, the 11, Kyle Edwards, $1,400. And then ninth on back, all received $1,200. And that was finishing in ninth to 95, Dave Schulich. Tenth to 52, Dave Danzer. Eleventh to 55, Rich Reed. Twelfth to 74, Johnny Benson. 13th to 41, Russ Wood. 14th to 01, Dan Connors. 15th to 32, Mo Lilji. 16th to 27, Eric Iosu. 17th to 14, AJ Lasecki. 18th to 68, Michael Barnes. 19th to 83, Lou LeVay Jr. 20th to 0, Tim Snyder. 21st to 19, Trent Stevens. And 22nd in making his ISMA debut for Lasecki Racing was Danny Kay in the 88. Okay. So, um, you know, well, yeah, and and, and uh, I think didn't he have a mechanical or something? Something happened there with that car in the feature, didn't it? I think they only planned to start and park, and that brings oh. me to the other guy I forgot was Jerry Kern, the, the Nearbin car. I hear suffered a blown engine in the heat race, so ah. unfortunately they did not start the feature either. So without Kern, Hutchinson, and Talon, then, yeah, that would have put us at – 25 cars to start the feature so it's yeah it's too bad they're all kind of low buck guys too and it makes makes it even worse really feel for for all three of them and uh, i think kyle ended up blowing the engine too in the in the 97 so that's a shame jeez yeah i you definitely don't like seeing that and and of course it was kyle's first race i think right so um yes jeez you never want to see that somebody's debut it's kind of like you know, Ranzitska hitting the wall this last week, but, um, you know, they're working on uh, getting the car ready for Lorraine. So, um, and so uh, you'll, you'll enjoy the interview with Kenny and I'm sure quite the, uh, yeah. quite the story there with those guys. Um, but uh, good, good super modified field. Um, obviously we, we hope that all the guys that uh, had issues are able to get back for uh, the next series race. And um, you know, we, that we have a, uh, sort of less harsh rest of the season. We've had a, a rough uh, first couple of weeks in the super modified class of Oswego for sure. Um, okay, so let's switch uh, switch gears here and talk about the 350 class again. Boy, the car count still, um, you know, still off. Uh, and, you know, you can provide whatever updates that you have. Uh, but it was great to finally see uh, Josh Sokolik get a feature win. You knew it was coming. It was just a question of when, and um, that that time was was Saturday night. Yeah, it's about time. Those guys really deserve it, and just a total domination there. Kind yeah. of the same story as Otto. I knew that once Josh started on the pole, he had a little misfortune opening night, and I totally assumed that he was going to be gone, and he was just by pretty much half a track at one point, he just was in a different zip code than everybody else. Yeah. This past weekend. So I'm happy for those guys. They, they deserve it. Josh has grown into a really good racer. Sure and, has. Uh, did a super nice job his last season in the SBS there a couple of years ago. And just immediately when they brought this car out last year, had a great deal of speed and uh, it's a really good race car. They got all fantastic stuff on it. And, you know, combine that with, with Josh, who, like I said, has really developed well as a driver. And I think there's a, a good winning combination. And, uh, 
one of the teams that's surely going to be there fighting for the, the championship at season's end. No doubt. Yeah, that was, uh, was definitely a strong performance. Um, still down on the car counts, and um, gosh, man, the wrencher. Robbie's just... Um, Robbie's had a had he's somebody's got a voodoo doll that uh, they need to find or something because boy he's had some terrible luck to start the year. Yeah, not very good luck at all for for those guys. I was sitting in turn one when the tire flew off on Friday night on the primary car, and the car just wasn't handling well. They've been really fighting the the handling on it, and I know Robbie's been getting frustrated, and um, that kind of put it out of its misery and th- just weird the way the hub broke on that car i think they ended up having like a dirt car style hub a big now hub on the car that probably was a little too lightweight for 350 yeah super racing and just gave up on them and then they they brought out the the belfab car the former nick kenny car and that looked a lot more stable on saturday but still just didn't have a whole lot of speed and then end up cooking the motor and the feature talk about a rough weekend yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just I feel so bad because those guys, I mean, like everybody else, of course, but those guys work so hard. Um, and, you know, Robbie was so excited to start the season in the 350 class. And it, um, I, I hope he's getting it all out of the way early. And, you know, once they get it back, and I think they intend to rebuild the other car too, but um, it sounded like they were going with the, uh, the black up, as I called it uh, the other day, um, the black up car. Um, for at least the foreseeable future, um, taking the motor out of the other car until they could, you know, could get that back together or whatever. Um, so hopefully he has better luck, but, uh, let's go through the feature finish for that, uh, division. We can talk about some of the other cars. Yeah. Josh picking up his first win. Uh, Jason Spaulding finished in second, uh, yeah, nice Kyle Perry third. Yep. Yep. J- Jason did a good job and, and Kyle, that's his second podium in as many weeks. Yes. And got another heat win, and they have a new wing on that car. They put it on at the end of last year, showed great speed. And then this year, they come out of the gate really strong. They're, they've got that car going good right now. Kyle's Kyle's quick, down to 16-8-0 there this past Saturday. And uh, six podium finishes now, so he's really knocking on the door for yes. his first feature win, too. So. Uh, good to see a, an older car running really well up at the front there in this class. Absolutely. Uh, finishing fourth was Bobby Holmes. First night out for the Emmons Barbera team. Fifth was Dave Cliff. Sixth, Brad Babb made the lawn toe out again. Seventh, Robbie Worth. Eighth was Nick Kenny. Ninth was Danny Kay, not the debut he was looking for. No. And Nick Barzee not able to start the feature after well, he just kind of got hooked into the fence in his heat race. Oh, I missed yeah, that. that. That was a hard hit. Nothing intentional. I, it was a racing deal, and um, I think Bobby was behind him and just misjudged a little bit and then ended up hooking Nick. And Ouch. You don't want to see it happen to, to anyone, but that that team, boy, they've had a rough past two weeks with sure crashing out in practice opening night and then again not starting the feature this past weekend so i feel bad for those guys i do do i mean we we don't have enough cars to to be having those sorts of things happen so um it's it's just like i said it's been a rough start to the year for a lot of guys at oswego so far and you know just thankful for the ones that are able to 
to get there and get it back every week. And um, hopefully, you know, we kind of get out of that phase and into a, a, a less incident filled phase as we go into the summer here. Um, and hopefully we get some more cars back. I mean, are we expecting any of the, we expecting any of the new England cars to, to eventually come back and start racing? I mean, uh, it's, it seems like, um, there, there's a lot of them staying closer to home now. Yeah. It's unfortunate for us. There's just a lot more races out there that way now was Hudson running and you got Lee running again, star, all the smack races. So I don't think we're going to see too much of the new England guys. Mm. Uh, the box told me that I think July 1st would be their first race. Oh, wow. Um, the battles had expressed interest in coming this weekend and doing a turn and burn racing Oswego Saturday and then Hudson Sunday and then Jeffrey. <laughs> turn and Jeffrey burn. just uh, texted me a little while ago and said, I don't think I'm going to do that, and I don't blame him. So I think we're going to be about the same Oof. this weekend, but we will gain Hawksby this week, so that's – 11 cars anyway. Uh, Tony DeStevens planning on debuting his car June 24th. So, yeah, we're kind of going to be stuck between 10 and a dozen for a little while here until we see more of these cars that are kind of sitting come out. Maybe some more New England guys come out and, and support us. So it's uh, kind of uh, at a little bit of a crossroads right now. Well, I know that uh, Barry Kingsley said he's building one, which is interesting. And hopefully, oh, really? Yeah, he, he was up in the, the, the tower um, and heard you actually on the mic, too, the other day. That was cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, Barry's been up doing some of that with, with uh, Joe uh, for the SBS uh, stuff. And, um, yeah, mentioned he was building one and, you know, would be, he hoped, maybe later in the year. So, um that was interesting and um yeah hopefully we can uh get some new new folks in um you know and and get to up closer to the 15 16 mark at least for next year and you know and build that class a little bit i thought we were doing really well <laughs> and then uh, you kind of realize when the new england guys all go away that you're really not you know you're you're still I sort know. of stuck there right like you didn't realize how many of those guys were I guess you you don't think about it like that, and uh, um, you just feel like they're all swiggle cars now, and then you realize, okay, we haven't got, but um, that's a class that that really needs to build because uh, I think I still think it's it's um, the racing zaz are more exciting in that class, even with ten or twelve cars. If you get a couple of them battling back and forth, that's a good it's a good package. It's a good price point, I think, and and uh, the racing's really good for the most part in that division. And there's still, even with the field we have, there's still, you know, probably half the field that, that is capable of winning on a given night. We just have to keep them all out of the fence and keep motors in them and all of that. It's just been a, um, been a tough start for a few of them that, that we, you know, we believe uh, obviously can contend for wins. So um, we'll hope for better for that class and go on to the SBS class. And um, again, that was, uh, you know, those guys, it, that class is putting on some really interesting shows um, this year. And, and again, not as many of them as we would hope for. I don't know where some of the folks are, but, um, you know, some some great racing again. And, and one of the guys that I'm really impressed with in that class so far this year is Jude, 
Jude Parker. And so you can talk about him and, and talk a little bit about your thoughts on the SBS class for this past week. I thought that was a, a great race. I'll be honest, going into it this week, I, or this past week, I thought it was no reckless night. And you would I think Mike Bond was stepping aside and I yeah. just thought that he was the, the obvious favorite. <laughs> and unfortunately he had a, an issue before the feature, a mechanical problem that, that sidelined him and that sort of opened the door for some other guys to lead a lot of laps yeah. and uh, contend for top fives and, and podiums and kind of a, a lot to unpack here. And uh, I would say Greg O'Connor would have been my other favorite for the race and he wound up winning, but it, it didn't come easy for him. He had to really fight for, the lead from his, his teenage teammate there, uh, (laughs) Parker. Yeah. And Jude did a great job. He, he really held his own and just impressed the heck out of me. So I'm, I'm excited for those guys. Yeah. It's, it's neat to see. I think I messed his name up too. Yeah. Jude Parker. I, he, he, they, um, it's neat to see these younger drivers start to really catch on and, you know, you look at the, a driver like that, you look at, uh, what's his name, Jake Brown, um, yeah. you know, really had a good, like, these younger guys, that's what this division needs, is it needs more, you know, more younger racers that'll that'll sort of stick with it for a while and, and help build the field back up. And um, fun to watch some of these drivers that are in their second year really step it up a little bit and... Um, you know, of course, Greg O'Connor's been around for for a number of years now, and has always been a good racer and a great guy. And it was neat to see him get that win. Like I said, that was a really interesting race. And you're right; I guess you would have thought that Ratcliffe would have been the odds-on favorite uh, since Mike didn't come. But um, but man, there's again, it feels like there's you know a half a dozen or so in that that division that are all pretty equal and on any given night, you know, you, you take a guy like Griffin Miller or or Connor or, you know, Parker now, um, you know, and those guys are capable of just getting out and winning. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a fun race to watch. It was, yeah, it really was. And DJ Schumann needed that too. He, he did. He was having a rough go of things opening night. And I know we're really frustrated, but I think, he showed and proved to himself that, you know, he started out front, but once he got out front, he led a lot of laps and was just as good as anybody up at the front for the complete 35 laps there. So that's another team that I think really needed a, a confidence booster. And I'm sure that a run like that will, will do it for DJ. That was his first podium. And, and Jude, what a way to get his first podium. He, yeah. he didn't even finish top five last year. Um, he was in contention for several top fives and just had things happen. And, uh, finally, luck turned around, and that's that's quite the storyline. It's a one-two finish for the team, and um, you know, I thought on the restart that that was going to set Greg up perfectly to just kind of take him to school, so to speak, and and just get the jump on him on the outside. But Jude really held tough, and he at did. one point, actually came up and cleared Greg on the front stretch, but just maybe got a little too excited in between one and two and got the rear end sideways, and that was all it took, and. There went Greg, but still, nonetheless, Jude kept pace with him the last few laps, and it ended up being a 
a really exciting race and, and probably my favorite race that I've watched so far this year out of what the six features we've had in the early season. At yeah, the it was fun. And, and it was fun. that moment for, for Jude is a learning moment, right? You know, that's one of those, you, you, you know, as a driver, you, you, you know, you, 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 like you said, you get a little too excited, carry a little too much speed in and you're trying to turn the car and realize suddenly that you're, you know, as Joe likes to say, you're headed up to the Raffadillies and, um, you know, you get sideways cause it, it gets loose. And, um, you know, it's kind of one of those moments for him, but, um, I, I think you'd rather lose to your teammate than to somebody else. So I, that probably made it, um, made it okay, but he's definitely a driver to watch going forward this year. And, um, you know, it was good to see the Stevens get a, a nice run out of it too. He ended up in the top five as well. And that was, uh, that was fun, and and he's a driver that that it seems like we're going to hear a lot more from, especially when he gets the um, the uh, three fifty out. Yeah, and Tony's already done a nice job with the three fifty and testing, and had it down to seventeen, I think threes and fours okay. last week during the track rental. And like I said, I know they're targeting June twenty fourth, but. They got that car running great at the end of last year. I know that helped his confidence tremendously. And now this year had some struggles the first week, but got it back tuned up well enough to have a competitive top five and also his first ever heat win. So uh, Tony's a good kid. They're good people, good race car driver. And I think uh, this is just the beginning of, of his success. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the 24 can do as well. Do we have any, uh, any cars that we are expecting to join the field in the coming next few weeks? So uh, we thought we'd be over 20, I think on opening day and that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I really did think that. And I've been surprised at the lack of participation, I guess, by, by some of these guys. Um, I know that Tony Pisa was one I had kind of tabbed to run the full season. He's going to be out this week okay, uh, for the first time. So there's one. Alex Hogue was supposed to run, from my understanding, more often than not, but he won't be out till later in the year. Oh, wow. Um, no Haynes cars. Those are all up for sale or being rebuilt, so you're losing them. Uh, Dan Brown was supposed to be out, but that's not going to happen now because Jake's car is destroyed from that last yeah. year. And now he's going to be in his dad's car. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, Jesse Barrett is another. Andrew Shartner makes select appearances. We're supposed to get Tessa Crawford out. I know the Worth Racing 4 is supposed to come out. We'd like to have our car out. There's just, yeah, it's kind of a little disappointing. I'd like to see the class get up over 20 weekly, and we're just uh, kind of stuck at 17 or 18 right now. Which isn't bad, but it, and, no, and, and no. The, like I said, the racing was great. But um, yeah. you know, you just want to see them all out there, right? And and uh, you know, Andrew was there obviously last week and ended up getting wrecked pretty hard. And um, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a few of those right that are still rebuilding. And like you said, now you're down to one brown car, um, which is too bad. Uh, you know, hopefully, perhaps at some point they'll be able to to get another car, rebuild that one, and. Um, you know, there's some of the guys like Pisa that haven't been out. And of course, Danny Kay's not running the 350 or the uh, SBS very much this year, you said. So there's there's a car that's not, you know, not racing um, because he moved up um, to the 350 class. So 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if we can get, you know, and again, I think it's a matter of we could just get through a couple of nights here without any serious wrecks that would, um, that would help things a little bit because I'm sure it's still hard to get parts and, you know, and, and motor parts or whatever. And you just had a lot of, uh, a lot of situations in all three classes the first two weeks. Unfortunately, yeah, it seems like there's been one car these first two weeks in all three classes that has sustained a catastrophic engine failure or a big time accident that's wiped out a lot of parts. And that sucks right at the beginning of the yeah. season. It's ugh, the last thing you want to see at any point, but especially right at the beginning of the year or exactly. right at classic time. So uh, hopefully, you know, I think the racing's been, been clean. There hasn't been anything too bad out there that's happened, but um, I think a couple of avoidable accidents last week, but it's just been misfortune for yeah. for some of these guys getting yep. caught up in accidents, and uh, that's racing. Well, exactly, and um, it's it's tough because, you know, it's like I had somebody down here that was watching last week's show who wasn't familiar, you know, doesn't watch every week and, and really wasn't super familiar with um, with the SBS and the, in the three fifties and, um, you know, was watching the opening day show and, and was like, man, you know, it, that foam seems to save a lot, but it still seems like they get a lot of damage nonetheless. And I said, well, yeah, but you know, what's behind there is steel. And I said, you know, as fast as any of these divisions are going, even when you hit the foam, you know, you're still, it's still going to create damage, but what you don't want to do is hurt the driver. And that's why the foam's better than the steel. And, you know, but it's, I mean, the speeds up there are just fast enough where, you know, it's not like down here in Hickory where you, you know, you graze a wall with a late model and, you know, bend a, 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 a nose or something. Um, you know, it, you're, you're, uh, or a hood, you're, you're, you know, you're still going to get some damage. So, um, go ahead and run us through the, uh, the finish in the feature event for the SBS division. Yes, sir. Uh, Greg O'Connor picking up career win number four. Jude Parker finishing second in the double zero. DJ Schumann third in the 62. Fourth, the 24, Tony DeStevens. Fifth, the nine, Griffin Miller. Sixth, the 72, Drew Pascuzzi. Seventh, the two, Jordan Sullivan. Eighth, the 01, Greg Richardson. He was out for his first time of the year this past week. So, uh, and ended up with a solid top 10. Yeah, so. it was a good run for him. Ninth, the 66, Derek Hilton. Tenth, the 26, Jake Brown. So he still ended up 10th even after that whole mess yeah. and is still the rookie of the year points leader. Eleventh uh, was the 27, Stephen Bradshaw. That was his first ever race. Twelfth, uh, the 22, Ryan Gunther. Thirteenth, the 35, A.J. Larkin. Fourteenth, the 55, Carter Gates. Also his first ever race. Fifteenth, the 77, Cameron Rowe. Battling some engine issues. And 16th was the 73 Noah Ratcliffe, who I know broke before the race even started. It was the left rear trailing arm mount. Oh, wow. So they weren't able to even start the feature. So that kind of also sets them back a little bit in the points race. And I know Noah's going to be very eager to come out and correct that this weekend. So I know those guys will will be on a mission. And then also didn't start the feature uh, Mike Fowler in the ten had engine problems as well. I, I don't know of those, but um, I don't even think he started the heats. No uh, engine I, problems in practice. So Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not sure that he did any of it. I don't think he time trialed or anything, if I remember correctly. 
Um, yeah. So um, tough break for for Mike and the Jeff Carson car, but uh, you're right about Ratcliffe. He's going to be. I mean, that it's just unbelievable that he he just it's it it's one of those things you watch and and it's like you just want him to win so badly just to get the monkey off. You know, like once you win the first time, then you never haven't won, right? You, you, you've always got that. And it just, I feel like as soon as Noah wins one, he's going to win like three or four because it's just that momentum thing and how it changes you. And he, you know, to see him come so close opening night and then, you know, lose it. Uh, but you're, you know, a, a second to Mike Bond is basically a win, right? You just don't get credit for it. But it's like he was so close and put on such a good show and then to come out and, you know, have the problem that he had um, this past Saturday had to be heartbreak. Now, he's got a 350, doesn't he? Or somebody has one that he, I mean, are we ever going to see that back out? So I think it's Brian and Melissa Brandt that bought the car for him from the McLeods. Right. And he had it out for classic and was supposed to test with it last week. And then they canceled the test. So oh. I hope, I hope he does. I get, they probably want to focus on their limited program right now, their SBS program, but he's, he's a good driver. He's got a bright future. He might want to, he might want to give the three fifty a shot. Yeah. He, I mean, I mean, maybe if he goes out and wins in the three fifty class, that'll help him win in the SBS class. You know, he, he needs to do something. He, he needs a, I don't know, change the color of the car or do something, change the underwear, whatever. I mean, you got, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen a driver um, that has finished second as many times as Noah has and, and just can't seem to quite get, get over the hump, but I know it's coming for him and um, can't wait to, to see it happen. We're not supposed to be biased when we do this media stuff, but you know, you just, <laughs> You just want to see somebody like Noah get to taste the, the fruits of victory. Cause it, you know, yourself as a driver, um, you know, how hard that is. Right. And, and, and man, it's that last 10th, you know, that's, that's the hardest. So, you know, hope they, uh, hope they have a good run, but overall, uh, uh you know, a good weekend of racing, um, you know, still quite a bit of racing left in the season. Tell us what's uh, coming up next. And, um, any news or whatever that we're, we're missing. I know this weekend is a, a big show, especially on the fan side of things. Yeah, I'm excited for this week and glad that the Speedway has, for the first time in a few years now, dedicated a race weekend to just focusing on family, family night. We yeah. did the $5 GA a few years ago, yep. and now this weekend is $8 general admission for all adults and kids 16 and under are free with a paid adult ticket. So it's very, very cost-effective week to bring your family out to the races. There's four divisions. You'll get to see the Super Modifieds, the SBS, the 350s, and the Super Stacks are coming. So a great variation. You'll have our Supers, the top lanes, the Limiteds, and also the stock cars. So you can see... All of that this weekend for only eight dollars. It should be a nice, quick night. There's no time trial trials. Um, stands open at four forty-five. Warm-up start at four forty-five, and then we go right into heat racing at six thirty. Followed by the feature super stocks up first, thirty laps, twenty-five laps for the three fifties, thirty laps for the SBS, and fifty laps for the super modifieds to cap the night. Uh, should be a 
a great night weather looks fantastic early on so hope to see the the stands packed this weekend now just to clarify you said our supers and then you said the top wings i think you meant the tail wings right I was referring to the 350 top one. Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. Okay. Um, Just wanted to make sure that we were clear for the people listening. Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, that'll be a great night. And um, again, it's good to see the, the super stocks back. Always look forward to Jody London's uh, shows. And and I know this one isn't, um, you know, a big time uh, deal like everything else he's got up there, but it's still an opportunity for that group of drivers to come and, and race at a track that I think most of them consider to be their Daytona. And, um, you know, I was never, I was never, you know, fond of them running weekly, but I think the specials, it's perfect. And, and these guys really put on, you know, good entertaining racing and they work hard to, to come up and win at Oswego. So that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to watching that, um, and seeing the night. I hope that, uh, a good crowd comes out and takes advantage of the lower, uh, admission price because um, and hopefully obviously the weather will cooperate as well and it should be a great night of racing again I can't wait yeah uh, and we're going to have the week off on June 17th so be sure to go support the ISMA MSS Super Crown Nationals at Lorraine and another great family show coming up on June 24th three divisions and it's autograph night presented by CME Electrical Supply Fun. and Stuart Best Home Centers are presenting this weekend's family night on the 10th, autograph night on the 24th, Lorraine on the 17th. So write all that down. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, the, 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 the Lorraine show should be a fun show. Uh, another opportunity for ISMA MSS, I think, uh, to, to show off and show out. So hopefully a good field for that. And then, uh, come back on the 24th for autograph night. Um, how is your dad doing? Any progress there? Uh, it's kind of up and down. Uh, he said yesterday was the best he's felt in weeks, but Saturday was the worst he's felt in, mm. in weeks. So uh, it's it's just all very strange. It's just mainly the dizziness. So now, I mean, we're pretty open talking about what's going on. They've been checking him for a lot of cardiac stuff, and all that has come back great and now they're kind of looking at some vertigo inner ear stuff and try to get him some relief from this dizziness but until he's he's feeling better and we have more guidance and knowledge from the doctors we're still kind of holding off for a little while um but maybe by the end of this month if you ask him he's not writing off saturday yet but maybe by the end of this month. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah we'll just keep praying uh and uh you know look forward to seeing you guys out whenever he's uh strong enough and healthy enough to be able to to do that so uh cam appreciate always uh, the opportunity to chat with you and uh, uh have you help us uh walk through the the weekly racing so i uh, look forward to next week again and uh good luck um with the show this weekend i know you're not going to be competing but uh hope everybody has a good safe night of racing at the track thanks tom it's always a good time and it's camden proud and we will be back with our featured guest kenyon zitska right after this okay folks i want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on inside groove indie performance composites they're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive aerospace and communications industries jeff west and his team are amazing 
They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services. End-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to the Inside Groove, episode 119. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it is great to have you uh, with us as we charge through another episode. And our special guest on the phone now with us, Kenyon Zitska, has joined us. Now, again, for those of you who may not necessarily know the background of kind of how the Zitska name came into this podcast, Uh, Back in, I want to say it was 75, but I'm starting to question that. But I have a program here somewhere where Jim Ferlito made mention of the fact that Ron McLeod had bought a car, was buying a car. And um, at the time, I think he was still driving for Jimmy Sewell. And uh, and the the comment was that he was buying the car, uh, but he was going to continue to race the 32. And the the quote was something like, um, and he's going to put a up and coming driver in his car in the form of Ron Zitska. Now, um, that, you know, the Zitska name isn't exactly, you know, a household name, at least that I had heard much ever probably. And so that always stuck with me. Well, I saw it again, not too long ago. And of course I tried earlier today to go through some programs from that year. Couldn't find the reference naturally because you're looking for it. But uh, um, I had mentioned it to Camden and he mentioned it to Kenyon. And I think Larry Trinka also did. And it turns out that Ron was um, your dad, Kenyon. And and so um, I will find that for you, I promise. Uh, And great to have you on the show. Great to have you guys involved in super modified racing now. Ryan is your brother? That's right. Yep. Okay. So Ron is both your dad. Um, Yep. So I want to know, first of all, what you remember about your dad's racing. And if anything, I mean, I don't know kind of how old, like, tell me a little bit of the the history and the family there. Let's go all the way back. Well, my dad, uh, he... uh built his own uh you know dirt light model that he raced primarily at ransomville speedway out in the western new york area he took it to some other tracks like clearfield and uh speedway seven uh, out in ohio uh, but he primarily ran it at uh, uh ransomville and and you know he, him being a, a a gearhead and a wrench turner he he helped out on a lot of other uh folks race cars like uh bill Teresi out of north tonawanda uh, like you mentioned ron mcleod he helped uh crew um, on the super modified, I think uh, a couple classic weekends. Uh, oh, okay. When Ron was uh, driving for Jim Sewell, and I think he was friends with the the, the McLeod family. Um, so he he always shared stories about uh, going to Oswego and 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 um, you know he he mentioned to us that you know he crewed on super modified. He never mentioned that uh, 
he potentially was going to drive a super modified. So, you know, that's, that's what kind of piqued my interest in, uh, um, you know, getting in touch with you and Larry and uh, sure. finding, finding that program. But, uh, no, my dad, he, uh, you know, he did his, uh, driving, uh, before my brother and I were born. Uh, but obviously it's in the blood and, and, you know, he took us to tracks all the time and, uh, you know, took us around race shops and, and, um, yeah, we were following him around in the, in the workshop, working on our personal cars and, just racing was uh you know one of those hobbies that we we'd always done and unfortunately we lost uh my dad in in 2000 to leukemia so he actually had never got to see my brother and i race we oh wow we, we bought a tq uh you know shortly after he he had passed while i was still in the navy on active duty and my brother was going to engineering school so we bought a tq and my brother uh finished uh built you know he bought a bare frame and he finished it with the help of some of my dad's uh old high school friends that, uh, you know, he'd turned wrenches with. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the long and short of, uh, you know, how, how, uh, my dad got into racing and kind of passed it along to us. Okay. So you're, <clears throat> so you guys started just after he passed away. I'm curious, do you, what memories do you have of a swiggle? Were you ever at a swiggle with your dad when you guys were younger before you started racing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, 1985 is probably my earliest recollection of going to Oswego. Okay. Uh, walking up in the grandstands, uh, you know, being five, six years old and having my eardrums blown out under, underneath the, uh, <laughs> the uh, cover grandstands, uh, when the cars went by and it was, uh, it was Memorial day weekend. It was the, the port city. I think it was the one fifty then or one fifty five. One fifty. And, and yeah. And, uh, you know, we, it was the modified super modified double header. Um, and, and that's kind of my earliest, uh, recollection of, uh, being at Oswego. Um, uh, and then, you know, we, like I said, he always took us around Ransomville and Lancaster out in this area, uh, some other tracks. Uh, then we kind of, you know, it's been a number of years, uh, since we've been to Oswego and, and actually our, our interest in racing kind of like waned for a couple of years. And then, uh, we were on a camping trip and we went by the, uh, dirt hall of fame and, and, um, and I remember, uh, seeing you know this is before the internet uh and and yeah. all that where you can get schedules online uh Oswego had their uh you know their postcard sized uh schedules and, and i looked at the cars and i was like wow th- these cars look cool and i i asked my dad and he kind of like you know start you know started telling us about all the memories he had at the at the track helping out uh, uh ron and okay and, uh hanging out and and that's what piqued our interest in super modifieds from uh, there on out. So you and your brother got the TQ, and you started racing that. Who was the who was driving? Uh, primarily Ryan. Uh, like I mentioned, I was on active duty. Oh, uh, okay, you were on active duty. So, okay. So I would come and you know hop in the car a handful of times a year. Never really, really got uh, too much consistent seat time. Uh, but you know, he, he won a bunch of races primarily at like Holland Speedway, um, Lake Erie Speedway. Uh, he actually won the very first TQ race they had there. Oh, wow. It, uh, claimed the fame and he, uh, he won the, uh, 2006, um, at the time it was called the Casey's Midget Series. Uh, it's kind of evolved into the, uh, Mighty Midget Series, uh, nowadays. So he was the series champion in, uh, 2006. Um, oh. you know, I had a handful of, you know, top fives, top tens, never, uh, Never got uh, enough consistent seat time to uh, win any races. Um, and then uh, past two years, I, I've been 
uh, dabbling back in TQs. I actually won a won a TQ uh, in, in a raffle. Um, oh, a couple cool! Years ago. So that's uh, what got us back uh, into racing. So, okay. So now, how much driving have you done then? Because you told me earlier that you were going to start driving the super. So. Yep. What's been your driving experience so far? By the way, thank you for your service to our country. We really oh, no worries. No worries. Uh, no. So the past two years, I've been uh, on average probably once, twice a month because uh, I, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, full time. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm there, Southern so. boy like me. Yep. Yep. So not too far from Charlotte, but uh, no, I've uh, you know it's been a bit of a tow, but um, you know they've been doing a lot of work getting. Uh, getting some good purses for the TQs and, and uh, getting some good shows out in Ohio, Lorraine and Painesville. Uh, they got a great promotion promoter uh, out there. Randy Maggio treat, treats us well, pays us well and always gets the, gets the show in. So, um, yeah, it's been worth the, uh, you know, 12, 13 hour, uh, trip, uh, wow. about towing the TQ. Okay. So. so, um, so what made you guys decide to go from the TQ midgets to the mighty super modifieds. Well, I mean, the TQs are, are mini super modifieds, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, they got the offset drive line and, and, um, you know, you, you get a pretty big sandbox to play in, um, as far as, you know, whether you want to go independent suspension, inboard suspension, you know, inboard push rod suspension. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's perfect. Uh, um, you know, starter class for those looking to get into super modifieds. Uh, if you want my humble opinion about that. Uh, but you know, it's, it was, um, just the next logical step in our minds. Uh, we're both uh, mechanical engineers. So the creativity, the fabrication, the, the, you know, the engineering that goes into the cars, uh, kind of just suits our background. Um, you know, build a better mousetrap and, uh, may the best driver win too. So it's, uh, it's both uh, aspects, you know, if we got into like a late model stock car, you know, there's only so much you can do, but right. you know, super modified, um, you know, it's a tighter sandbox than, you know, back in the, you know, sixties and seventies, oh, but for sure. there's still, still wide open uh, sandbox for us to play in. And, and we're, we're interested in building our own uh, car eventually. And, and, uh, oh, wow. you know, that's what, uh, got us interested in getting back into super modifieds. So, um, if I, if I understand this right, I think you guys have two cars, right? Do you have two or just one super? Just one. Oh, just um, the one. We, okay. The McVetta yep. car. Okay. Correct. Yep. So what, what led to your decision to purchase that car? Um, I don't know. I just, uh, it, it just felt right to us. Like, like I really don't have much uh, better explanation than, you know, our gut told us like, Hey, this, this seems like the right car for us. Um, it's unique. Um, it's not, you know, nothing against any of the, like the hot cars and the cloak of cars or anything like that. But, you know, there's only one other car out there like our car. So, um, so we like that challenge. Um, you know, I'm right now I'm just taking a break from, uh, you know, fabbing up some parts and, uh, and uh, fixing up the car from uh, Ryan's accident uh, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. But I, I, I like that challenge of like, hey, I can't go to the store and buy the parts, or I can't go to like a Hawksby or a Cloaca and say, hey, can you, can you, uh, you know, but, you know, throw us a, a part off your shelf? Um, we've got to kind of figure it out and uh, sink or swim on our own. 
Obviously, Mike. Mike. Mike helps us out a lot. He he answers our questions. He's he's been uh, pretty pretty helpful to us. But um, you know, it's uh, yeah, we like uh, tinkering around in our garage. That's the bottom line. Well, that's I love to hear that. And and Mike's a first class guy. Um, one of my favorite guests on the show. Um, and and he's a a great racer. And you know, he's really. I love the fact that he's been willing. Um, as he can a few times during the year, each year to, to come up to a swiggle and to put the tail wing on and go racing. Um, and so I think it's great that you guys are hooked up with him. Um, yeah. now you told, and, go and, ahead. And, sorry. Interrupt, but that, that was another reason, uh, that, that, that prompted, uh, um, one of the reasons why we, uh, bought the cars, it came with the tail wing for Oswego and it came with the, uh, the uh, Isma wing so that we could go back and forth and pick and choose as many shows as we want that suits both of our schedules. So uh, having that flexibility was huge. Well, and I, and again, I love that too, because we need more drivers to support the whole thing. That's been the problem yep. for a lot of years now is that it's a divided field. And so love that this year uh, it became one schedule basically uh, with no conflicts <clears throat> so everybody can go run every race if they wish to and are able to. So um, I, I'm curious about the driving situation, though, because Ryan has has been running. And now you told me earlier he's moved to Denmark. Yes. Yeah, he took a job over there. Um, you know, he, like I said, he's a uh, mechanical engineer just like me. So he uh, took a really uh, great opportunity over there. Um, they, they do have a generous, um, vacation and time off, uh, situation. So it's not like he's going to be there, uh, locked down there. He'll be able to probably run the car. We'll, we'll probably, it'll probably work out to about a 50, 50, uh, schedule. Okay. Uh, for us. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll probably have about a month off during the summer and he'll have the opportunity to do some, um, remote work for the company he's going to be working for. Okay. So, wow, this is a really unique situation. So, um, note to, uh, the Teresis at Oswego, if you're giving a farthest tow award, um, (laughs) and the driver counts, I think Denmark is, is the winner here. Uh, so, you know, throw him a, throw him a bone. Uh, this, this is really neat. Um, so you guys really are doing this. Um, and I, I don't want to like, make it sound like it's just a hobby but you're really doing it just for fun because you're splitting the driving so um you're obviously not going to run for a points championship we don't have an owner's title in in super modifieds or at least at at least a swiggo doesn't is my guess kind of does but yeah um but you're you guys are really just doing this to have a great time and to um you're 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 talking about trying to design and build your own car this is a super refreshing interview because we need more of you in the sport of super modified racing. And, and, and I think it's amazing that you guys have kind of worked this out the way you have. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, I work as a port engineer in the uh, um, Marine industry on an oceanographic research ship. So oh, wow. I've noticed a trend there as well, where, you know, we're starting to see a lack of availability of, of, of solid skilled tradespeople, and and you know it's you know that's true in racing too not everyone likes to turn wrenches get their hands dirty these days so you know as, as much as we can i guess promote 
promote that, um, I guess, career choice and show people how um, how rewarding it can actually be. Um, I think I think we, it, that's our little uh, contribution in, in making the world a better place. I guess. Well, it's funny that you bring that up and and actually bring up sort of the the whole sort of marine thing because a couple of weeks ago when I was at Charlotte covering the NASCAR weekend, um, Brad Keselowski and RFK Racing unveiled a new uh, partnership with um, I think the 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 company the website was. I think it's buildsubmarines.com, and and what it was was a, uh, of course, Brad has his own um, engineering business now here in Mooresville, and um, he, uh, I guess they've 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 made this partnership, and and the whole promotion is revolving around the same thing you just mentioned, getting young people to understand that. Um, there's tons of really good paying jobs open building submarines and that's still a, yeah. everybody thinks, you know, well, it's 2023. We don't use what well, we do. It's still our biggest tactical advantage. And um, so it's just interesting that, that that topic comes up again here with you also saying, you know, we need more trades. And I think, and I think nowadays, honestly, um, for a lot of young kids that makes more sense than a four-year college at this point depending on what it is that you're good at and what your goals are yeah absolutely i mean and you mentioned the strategic tactical advantage like it really does um affect the security of of our economy it affects the security of you know our military so it's it's a really wide-ranging problem that that you know i've been noticing that these past you know 10 12 years yeah so it that's very interesting but it's it, so are you guys you guys are towing um all the way up from charleston south carolina to race at oswego then uh no actually uh my we still have family in the uh, buffalo area oh okay so um this past winter we actually renovated my dad's old shop that he you know oh, very 70s. cool uh you know he used to turn out you know a race car to uh, for various folks, uh, so we we renovated that, put new concrete down, and you know did, did a you know you know studs out renovation on the shop, and got uh, got a nice uh, nice home for uh, Rosie. Okay, wow, that's great. So, and you still have the TQ, right? Uh yeah, it's currently for sale. You know, getting you know I put it out, uh, you know, put it out to see what what I could get for it. Um, okay, but. I'm not in a hurry to sell it necessarily. Um, I would love to be able to take it to a place like Lorraine and do uh, double duty uh, down the road. But right now I, you know, the, the, the super modified is, uh, you know, plenty of work right now. I can especially, imagine. Especially uh, when you uh, have a little incident with the foam. Yeah. We- well, yeah, that's uh and thank goodness for the foam. Um, or that probably would have been much worse, right? You don't want to hit steel. Uh, so, is there a chance at some point do we see a double in the future in two, in basically two cars for one for you and one for Ryan? Or, or yeah, I mean, I, ideally, um, in an ideal world, I guess uh, that would be the goal. But right now, I'm we're happy with uh, the current situation. You know, we're rookies in the super modifieds. Uh, so getting our feet wet the next, you know, few years, I think, uh, splitting the driving duties is, uh, 
is uh, is kind of the plan for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I think you know having two cars, uh, if if both of us can. Um, or if both of us have the time to put into two cars, I think that would be an ideal situation. Um, a lot of people, you know, think super modifieds are, are expensive and they certainly are, but the other factor is time. Um, you got to have time to, to work on them. Sure. You can't, you can't rush anything. You can't rush repairing something. You want, you want to make sure the car's, um, right. You don't want to take shortcuts, especially going as fast as we do. So, um, it's taking your time and, uh, doing everything right. So that's, that's kind of the long pole in the tent. Well, I, think, as far as I see it. Yeah. I mean, it, so much of the super modified now is basically handmade parts, right? I mean, it's not like you can just, you know, go online and, uh, and, and get most of the parts off of, you know, some website somewhere you got to build them. So, they're yep. they're a bit more of a time-consuming beast than say a sprint car would be. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, well, talk a little bit about. Do you guys have crews? Obviously, you've got crew guys, sponsors. Want to give you a chance to sort of thank anybody that helped you along the way to get into this before we close up here. Yeah. No. Uh, my my brother's good friend uh, uh, came on board. This past uh, Memorial Day weekend, Arm Brewster Capital uh, Management, uh, they, they stepped up and uh, are helping us out. We're certainly looking for uh, more sponsors, obviously, the more the merrier. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just my brother and I for right now. And, uh, um, you yeah, know, we are looking for some uh, crew guys and, and actually some, uh, some of my dad's old racing buddies. Their, their kids and grandkids have been uh, starting to come around and, uh, um, you know, poke their head into the shop and, and, you know, I'm starting to starting to get some uh, crew guys together. Nice. Well, you've. What are your plans? Are you going to try to run? Um, you know, as many of the. I, I assume you're committing committed to the full season at Oswego. Are you Are you going to try to run as much of the ISMA tour as you can as well? Uh, actually, what the plan was is uh, we were going to run. Uh, we ran Jennerstown. Uh, we took. Uh, we put the uh, tail wing on and and ran the uh, uh, Jim Champagne Memorial. Yeah. Uh, I, the plan was to put the top wing back on and I was going to, my first race was going to be this past weekend, but we, we were too damaged to uh, make the call for that. But, um, right now I'm, I'm aiming to have the car ready for the Lorraine County, uh, super crowd nationals. Okay. Uh, that's a huge show. Um, and you know, I, I, I really liked running the TQ there. So I think that, you know, if I couldn't make my debut at Oswego, I think that would be the, uh, the ideal track for me to uh, get my feet wet in a super modified for the first time. Uh, then, then uh, we're going to run the Oswego wing show July 1st, uh, take, take the month of July off, uh, then, then run the wing show. I think it's August 12th, then get the car ready for classic. Um, if we can, you know, turn the car around quick enough, we'll probably run the uh, one of the weekly, Oswego shows in August to get ready for classic and then, then run classic. Then we'll see where we're at. We might run the uh, Evans Mills, uh, uh, Isma show too. Now who would drive in the classic? Are you going to flip a coin or how does that work? Cause that's a big show, obviously. Yeah, no, I, Ryan's going to be uh, back for classic. Okay. Uh, that, that, that we know for sure. Uh, he actually just bought the plane tickets to fly back to, from uh, Denmark <laughs> for that. So, Amazing. Well, uh, um, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to, to be able to talk with you and hear some of the background and, 
you know, not sure, obviously, entirely the background of the, the whole connection of Ron putting your dad in, in the car, which obviously I don't think that ever materialized or why it didn't or whether that was Ron's thought and your dad didn't know anything about it or what the deal was. But I know, know it's in the program somewhere. We'll do our best to find it and, and share it. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I certainly great to see the two of you get involved and to do it because you just plain love it and, and want to, uh, you know, kind of see if you can build a, a winning super modified and, um, just be involved in it. We need more of that. And it's hard because it, it's not cheap. And as you say, it's a lot of time, um, that goes into these things. But, um, but I do, uh, while I was looking for the particular reference to your dad in Jim Ferlito's column, and I don't know if you know Jim or have met Jim, but, um, Jim has been around the, the Jim is, he's down here now. He's in Cary which is up near Raleigh, but Jim's been down here quite a while working for one of the airlines, but um, he was from Oswego and, and Jim was around the speedway forever in, in his, his uh, house, which is out, was out in Southwest Oswego. The family farm was, was, was a hangout for a lot of drivers who, who, uh, you know, would come into the track from out of town. And so um, this is in this, the reason I explain that to you, Kenyon is because when I read this paragraph here, you'll understand why this would be something that Jim would print in his column in a program. So here it is because it does involve Ron McLeod. This week's classic comment, Ron McLeod was racing his midget at Lockport several years ago. Now this is from a program in 1975. Yep. And he lost control of his mount and went through the fence. The car continued out into the parking lot, which was a considerable distance. Ron hit the corner of an outhouse with his midget, and it all came crashing down. Some guy was on the seat in the outhouse reading a newspaper when the mighty McLeod struck it. The last time they ever saw the startled man was when he was running through the parking lot with very little clothing, looking for a piece of shelter. All Ron had to say about this story is that it was a pretty stinky deal for him. So there you go. That's, that's <laughs> Ron McLeod in a nutshell. Um, it's, it's folklore. We can't swear to the truth of it, but that, you know, this is when you start bench racing, you know, this, this is, these are the kinds of stories that come out. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll look for that, uh, that bit about your dad. And again, thank you for uh, making the investment in the super modified division and, and, and for, uh, you know, for coming and, and, and racing. Uh, and we, we wish you and your brother, nothing but uh, the best uh, this year and beyond. And uh, uh, wish uh, your, your brother safe travels back and forth from Denmark as often as he has to make that trip that, uh, that this, this has to be one of the most unique situations we've had uh, at Oswego and in supers in a while, but it's, it's, it's yeah. great to see the dedication. Yeah. You're probably putting that lightly. <laughs> I'd like to say it's a complicated situation, but it is complicated. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, look, if Camden proud can spend half his year in Norway, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, um, I mean, you know, now, you know, we've got all this advanced technology, so, um, you know, it makes th- that sort of thing possible, but, uh, now it sort of makes, uh, uh, Andrew Shartner, uh, going back and forth from here in Charlotte, uh, and, or me coming up, um, seem a little bit lame. Now we all thought we were like 
you know, this was special, right? You're coming up from, well, your brother's traveling from Denmark. So um, I guess yeah. we're chopped liver now, but, uh, but we, we are excited to have you guys involved and really look forward to seeing how you do. Um, you couldn't be with a better guy than Mike McVetta and um, you know, and I, I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot of fun at this. I hope that, you know, obviously future uh, times out on the track go a little bit better than uh, the last one did, but that's all part of learning, right? Yeah, no, I mean, we were we were happy with the progress we made, and, and that was actually my brother's first uh, competitive laps in 16 years. So for him to, to get it, you know, down in the 16s as uh, quick as he did, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. And, you know, he was, uh, he was running up with uh, Joey Payne and, you know, some uh, – you know, he, he got up to the speed pretty quick. So we're, we're happy with the progress we made. Just got to keep it off the wall. Absolutely. Well, we, we hope that that's exactly what happens for the rest of the year and uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you as uh, the season progresses. And uh, thanks for taking some time to come and share your story with us on the groove. Yeah. And thanks for having me. That is Kenyon Zitska. We're going to take a break. We will be back with what's in the number. We are going to talk about the number 19 in Speedway and Supermodified history when we come back. Stay with us. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs, or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill, LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. Welcome back to The Groove, and we move into the final segment of this show. It is, of course, what's in a number, and we are back to single numbers, one number per show going forward. Uh, which makes it a little bit easier for me anyway, and uh, a little bit more compact as well, uh, at least in most cases, or it should be. So uh, this week, the number is 19, and I just have the worst feeling that I'm going to get skunked at least once on this, because I feel like this is one of those numbers that's been a little um, off and on, and we've had some one-offs and and whatever that um, I'm going to miss, but... Um, again, as you all know, if you've listened before, I started going to the track in 73. So if anything in the sixties, there, obviously some of it I've identified through programs and hearing stories. But, um, if, if you were there in the sixties, you can come up with a 19 by all means, uh, have at it. Um, the first, the first thing I'm going to say about this, and this is why I said, I'm, I'm almost sure I'm going to get skunked at least once on this. Um, I believe the first 19 I remember is Jim Cheney in the Holinsky car. Okay. Now here's my problem with that in my head for some reason. And this is either right or it's wrong. No, there's obviously no in between. 
it seems like I remember that at some point before Jim Cheney drove that car, Animal Andy Brown was driving it. I feel like it was either that car or the the deuce. And I don't think it was the deuce, but it might have been. I feel like one of the gyms, either Cheney or Wings, followed Animal Andy Brown into a car in that time period. And I and I I think I remember that Animal Andy Brown, who was, for those of you who don't know, Animal Andy Brown was an NHL hockey player who moonlighted basically as a racer. And he was darn good at each. Um, but Andy, um, I, I feel like, was in that car before Jim Cheney. Um, and then I think that was the case. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, Larry Trinka will either catch me or he'll agree with me. One or the other. <laughs> uh, Cheney, obviously, when I think of the 19, that's what I think of. I think of Jim Cheney. Not only was that car drop-dead gorgeous in both design and color, but I love the Johnny Lightning helmet that Cheney had for all those years. And unfortunately, that was the helmet that he had in the fire. So after that, he had a different one with his, his name on it. But um, Jim did a such a good job in that car. And that's really the car that, that um, quote-unquote, broke Jim or made Jim into a big name. That was, I think, the car that that really um that really sort of built his brand, if you will, and showed what he was capable of at Oswego. And, you know, Jim drove a whole bunch of other cars uh over his time there, both in one off form and, you know, kind of longer stints. And that would be kind of fun at some point to 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 talk about that. But um but the 19, I think I remember first is Jim Cheney. Although, like I said, I do think Andy Brown had some time in it before he did, but I could be wrong. Um, and Cheney drove that car um, until I want to say the end of 73. And I think that was the last for the Holinskis at Oswego in terms of being car owners. Um Cheney went on to do other things, of course, for for a, a a good you know twenty or so more years, I think. But um, but I think that was it. Now, that car, albeit as the number eighteen or sorry number eighty eight, came back into Cheney's uh, world in I think seventy five when he bought it. And it might have been the end of 74. He bought it from uh, Johnny Casey, who had bought it from, I assume, the Holinskis, and um, decided to to run his own car and, and had that and had a nice, like, seventh or eighth place finish in the classic with it. And, um, and, and then uh, didn't run it anymore, at least not at Oswego, as far as I remember, after that year. So um, then later in the seventies, we had Kevin Lyons, Kevin Lyons bought, um, what car? The seven from Ron Graves, which was the, um, earlier seventies, 36 that Bobby Stelter drove in 73 and 74. It was sold to Ron Graves for 75 and Buckner built a new one. We talked about that in the Chuck Sipprich tribute episode a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
So Kevin Lyons bought that car from Ron Graves after Ron bought the short little roadster from his brother, Freddie, the 38 car, um, which I loved. And uh, Ronnie proceeded to run that for a few years and also spent some time in the Steve Miller 16 for a bit in 77 or 78. I think it was 78. Um, And so Kevin was the yellow number 19. And then for whatever reason, he, he changed to the number 88 and I don't, let's see, he sold. I'm trying to remember where that car went. The Buckner car that he bought, which was his first car. Um, I don't remember where that car went after Kevin was done racing it. Kevin built or had a, I think an earlier Graves car, maybe. Um, and, and that was number 88. I'm pretty sure nice car too. Um, geez. Then we had, um, wasn't that, wasn't it 19 that, what was his name? George friend. Was that, was, was that his name? I don't remember. He was Midwest or new England, but he was from out of town somewhere came to some classics. And I think he was 19. And I don't even remember exactly when that would have been. I want to say that still would have been in the 70s or maybe early 80s. Uh, I just can't pinpoint in my head the, the, the time frame, but I'm pretty sure that that was, that was who ran that number. And then, man, the, the next... Oh, see, this is where I always... This is where I always get caught because... In the 80s and 90s is where the the brain has dropped some data. Um, the next 19 that I remember was Mike Brubaker. And again, that was a new number for him. He went, Mike, when he started, was 24. And then I think it may have been that somewhere in there, Mike Kapazinski built a car and had it as 24. So then... Brubaker, when he bought the Graves car, went to 19. And that was a, I think it was a maroon colored car. Um, and he, that was really where he first started running well. He did a good job with that car. And then I think, and this is, a, here we go. Um, for some reason, Mike ended up going from the 19 to the 36. He bought a CNC chassis car. And I think Mike Saturski was one of the C's. I don't remember who the other one was, um, but it was a beautiful looking car. And it was a, it was a, an orangish color, I think. And somebody told me not a whole long time ago that Mike still has that car. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, that car was 36, which means there was probably a 19. And, you know, again, this is where it's like, who am I forgetting? Um, so it would have been more recently than Brubaker, but still in that same relative time period. And, uh, oh, oh, wait, I wonder if it was, was it Andy Noto? Cause wasn't he 19? Was Noto the 19? I think that might not Andy. Um, I think that was his dad. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Mike Noto? No, his dad was Mike. I think it was Andy that drove. Um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was Andy. Um, I think he was number 19. So that may have been why, uh, 
but I'm not sure that would have, I think, been in the early 90s by, by, that, by that point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and see, I'm trying to think if we have a 19 now, and that's, this, is, this is where sometimes I just, because um, I don't retain as well as I used to. Um, gosh, who else would have been 19? Who am I missing? Because, again, I feel like there were a couple of one-offs that, that I'm just not thinking about. And um, I cannot put put anything in my head here. So um, there's not a long... I mean, it's not like it, it... There are some numbers that, you know, there's just this long list of whether it was because, you know, somebody like Steve Miller owned a car for a long time and had, a, you know, a bunch of different drivers or... Um, it was just a frequently used number, but this one, I don't feel like was all that frequently used for any long period of time. But, um, I do feel like there were different drivers at different times. And I think I got most of them there. Um, you know, the, 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 the Cheney era in the Holinsky car, I think is what stands out to me most with that number. Um, Jim won several features with it, almost won a classic with it. Um, you know, and again, you go back to that era and you think about the, the level of competition at that point. And the, it wasn't, I mean, you know, the cars were mostly home built. You know, you'd have a builder who would build a few of them. Gibson built a number of them over the, the, the that period of time. For example, Bill Height would build the rear engine cars. Um, you know, but it was, the rules were still wide open. And, and uh, so, you know, I think about Jim Cheney and that Holinsky car in that era and the Holinskys by way of comparison, if you look at the Holinskys had, uh, they built the, the number 66 car that I think, uh, uh, Schofield owned. Um, and I think it was George, right? Was it George Schofield? And that car was driven by Red Barnhart and Mike Losher. Now, both of those drivers, very, very good race car drivers. I don't think either of them won in that car. They also built a car for Buck Buckley. was a number three. I don't think Buck ever won in that car. At least not in a Swigo. I think the only car that won, that the only Holinsky car that wanted a Swigo in that, that particular era, and I'm not... I. Those of you who are thinking 1975, I'm not there. I'm talking about in, in you know, the earliest years of Olinsky's building. Um, nobody but Jim Cheney in the house car won a feature. And I don't think it's because they were bad cars. It just shows you the level of competition. And of course, you know, if you're, if you're building the car and owning it, you know, it, it helps because you're also working on it, maintaining it, tweaking it and setting it up and all that. But you, you know, Jim Cheney was just, he was a fantastic racer. Now, of course, when we got to 75, by the time we got there, the, the 66 car had been sold to Dick Rader and Roscoe town and Mark Letcher ran it 1974. I think he won some heats and semis, but didn't win a feature. And, um, Fred Graves ran it at some point, uh, as well, I think. And, um, then we got to 75 and they talked Ronnie Wallace into driving it. And the thing goes out and sets the world on fire and wins a championship. Right. Um, you know, it's, and so we know it wasn't the cars. 
um, we we know the Cars could win, but that was such an incredible era, right? And, you know, Kevin Lyons, I thought, had some talent. But I don't think Kevin, I think, I think Kevin initially maybe had some funding to spend on racing, but then Kevin's daughter, uh, oh gosh, what was her name? Was it Andrea? No, that's Mike Brubaker's daughter. What was Kevin's daughter's name? Oh gosh, I'm sorry, Kevin, if you, if you listen to this. Um, Kevin's daughter was a, um, an athlete, I don't remember, I think skating. I think she was a skater and a potential Olympic athlete. And so I think eventually the racing budget went into, um, you know, trying to, to, to help her to achieve her dream. And um, that, gosh, I mean, that would, that, that would be a story worth telling, you know, um, but yeah, uh, I think that's what happened with Kevin, but he, um, you know, he certainly showed some, some, some talent. If he'd been in the right equipment, I think Kevin might've, might've done something. Um, you know, when you look at, you look at, uh, Brubaker, um, and Mike again was, he, he had, that was, of course, you know, the Graves era, that was a good car. And I don't know, I, I seem to remember he was fast in the 36 car too, the last one that he had. But, you know, you kind of get to a point, I think, where, you know, you just, um, whether it's dollars or it's age or it's a combination of both, you know, you just, um, gosh, you know, you just, you just don't, you, you know, time runs out. The, the, the sand runs out, you know, the hourglass runs out. So, um, you know, a lot of, uh, that, that might be a number that you could classify as, um, sort of unfulfilled. Like we had a lot of drivers who we had a few drivers that had that number that could have been incredible. And I think Jim Cheney was arguably the best of the three. And I think Jim, Again, if Jim had had some of the same opportunities that somebody like Bentley Warren had, because Jim kind of followed Bentley, you know, out of New England. He was, you know, like, a, a I don't want to say a generation after. I don't think he was that much younger, but he might have been. Um, but, you know, I feel like Bentley was, was there was Bentley, and then you started hearing about Jim Cheney. And that was, you know, say, very early 70s. Late, late 60s, like 69, 70, 71 ish, you know, when Jim Cheney started coming to Oswego and then he got into that 19 car and just lit up, you know, that, that was a good combination. And, um, so, you know, that's, uh, Jim's story is obviously, you know, tragic ending, but, um, gosh, you know, he was, he was just so talented and um and i feel like had he you know been and he had a lot of good equipment but you know again it, it got i think it it kind of comes to a point you know for example he was in the salve 04 in the mid 70s he uh, he replaced jim winks in 76 who had replaced warren conium and jim was only in the car for a short time winks was a few weeks i think i think and I don't know, um, 
you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he just wasn't comfortable in it. Don't, you know, I don't really know why Jim Winks didn't stay in the car, but he got replaced by Jim Cheney for whatever reason at about mid season. And Jim immediately took, took to that race car and Conium had won some races with it. Um, when it came out in 75, when they brought it out. But I feel like it was Cheney who sort of realized the full potential of the car. You know, they got it dialed in perfectly for him. And he was a threat. And he won, I think, the last race of the year in 76. And then um, he was he was running really well in 77. And then he had the fire. And what happened in that time period was that he missed the rest of that year recovering from the fire. He comes back in 78 and he, he, he won Thompson the first race back with the wing. He won, but then he got to Oswego and the world had changed because you had the offset cars. You know, he had Jimmy Champagne with his, and of course, we all know what he did in 78. We Then you had Freddie Graves, you had Chuck Siprich, you had Ron Wallace that had one, um, you know, that Jim Ferlito owned, the Lettuce Leaf Express. Um, you know, and then as the year went on, you know, a few others started. So you you had, um, you know, you, you, it, he got to a swig on the world changed and Salve the Solvay group um, for, again, for whatever reason, it took them until 1980 to build their first offset car. And at that point, um, Cheney was out and Stelter, Bobby Stelter was back in for another stint with him. Um, so, you know, that, that was kind of, you know, in the, it, in that, that was how quick it it went because, and Kemp Dates also had his offset in 78. Um, so he had like six or seven of them up there. And all of a sudden, Cheney, where he was a contender in 77 before the fire, he comes back to a swig in 78, got all the offsets. He's, you know, basically a fifth to 10th place car now. You know, and, and um, you know, they made some changes in 79, tried to, you know, tried to, to sort of keep pace, but, um, you know, it's a tough deal. So, um, boy, there's a lot more you could talk about with Jim Cheney. I won't do it here just for time, but um, I think it would be fun to do a Cheney tribute show. We'll have to have up, sit down and, and think about that one and figure out how best to do that. Um, but um, Jim was great, you know, and, and that, uh, that 19 car, was always so pretty and so immaculate and um and it and it ran really really well and then when Cheney brought it back in 75 um you know it was like he'd never been out of it you know and and um but again you, you know by that point you had I I would argue the competition 75 was even deeper than it was in 73 and so you know it, it he could still compete for wins but you know he didn't, and and then we started. It wasn't just a couple of years later that we ended up with the offset. So, uh, 
Yeah, there's the 19. So if I missed anybody filling in, um, you know, I seem to get uh, skunked at least once every week, but that's okay. That's why we do it. It's a stump the host segment, basically, and I choose to try to stump myself. Um, It's just more fun for me to do it out of my head in the moment than it is to spend time researching to try to get them all because I feel like that's cheating. Um, Just ruins the fun. But I want to thank Kenyon Zitska for being on. And, um, you know, I I really, really, uh, and and Camden, of course, uh, and also want to thank our sponsors, Jeff West and the folks from IPC Indy, Rich Worth, and the folks of JNS Paving, and my gosh, I mean, the wrench wrenchers had uh, boy, he's had a tough start to the season. Um, I sure hope that uh, they got all their bad luck out of the way early, and he can start turning it around. He's such a good kid, and he's he's he works so hard at it, um, and he is a very capable driver. If if he can just get a a few good weeks under his belt here without anything to fix in the three fifty class, he's going to show you. Um, how to get to victory lane. I have no doubt about it. Um, and I want to thank Sean Cathcart and the folks from McGrath's pub and skips fish fry as well. And thanks to all of you who listen to this show each and every week, please share it. Uh, don't keep it a secret, share it and tell everybody about it. Um, we are really trying to build it up a little bit and, uh, have some fun this year. So, uh, we got, uh, some more of the 72 season rewinds coming as well. Um, all right. That'll do it. We'll wrap things up and look forward to um, the rest of the season here. And uh, everybody have a safe and healthy weekend. Take care and God bless. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.